There's heaps of those, like, um, like, Powerless, that DC show that no one saw. Yeah, it was, it was a cool premise. They didn't really do anything with it, nope. though. They were just there. I was trying to talk one into watching Killer Monkey yesterday. The one, the snow monkey that kills everyone. The hitman monkey. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. It's alright. Toby was trying to convince me to watch Funland yesterday. Yeah, Unfortunately, we needed to eat dinner. Yeah, you left. You left. It's all on YouTube, but it's like VCR quality, which is kind of great too. There. <laughs> you don't think so? Oh, it was great. It's a good premise. It's just the Joker, but better. At a carnival. It's this clown. He's lost his mind. He used to be the accountant there, but he's like completely abandoned his real name and he's just going by the clown. He's trying to get them to put his like pay slips in his clown name and shit. And <laughs> the guy who owns the company gets whacked by the mob and they start muscling in and they're trying to work out who this guy is who's like the main shareholder. And it's him, but they don't know his real name. And then they and try even, to muscle even him the people out. At the like thing are confused because She's like, oh, he was getting paychecks like since opening day up until about a week ago, and then he just vanished because he manages. That's the last thing the boss does. He changes his name in the payroll. So yeah, there's like no evidence that he's still the same guy. And then they they bring in the real clown. Like if they brought in like the TV Ronald McDonald instead of just some fake one. Yep. So he gets mad and he gets in the clock tower and he's going to assassinate that clown, but then. He misses and hits, like, another assassin who's after him but going for the wrong one. And then he's, like, deemed a hero. <laughs> and they <laughs> It's wonderful. All the psychotic moments in that are so good. Like, as he's losing his mind, he's in the food court. And, and like, a big dance number starts, like, like high school musical or some shit. And there's, like, a dominatrix walking around in the background for no reason. And he just, like, screams and everything cuts. But it's all just normal. And everyone's like, what's wrong with that guy? <laughs> No, my favourite part is he gets kicked out of his dressing room for the national Bruce Burger. Yeah, the, the real and fancy clown. They're like, oh, you know, you, you can go, they've closed down the wax museum. So you go and hang out in the wax museum <laughs> and he can have your dressing room. And so in the wax museum, he's sitting there playing poker with himself, his ventriloquist puppet, Peter a Pepperoni. wax figure of Humphrey Bogart, and, and the go- dead boss that he keeps seeing. Yeah. <laughs> And the dead boss just keeps talking about the fact that he's so hungry, and he's like, yeah, you died three days ago. Like, of course you're hungry. You haven't eaten anything. Yes, so good. Because he's already losing his mind before the movie, like, begins. Like, it skips over everything. Okay. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. You satisfied? Look, I have audio playing, and that's better than about two minutes ago, so... Okay, cool. Alright, ladies and future boys, welcome to the School for Wayward Nerds, the only podcast switching out Dr. Pepper for Dr. Salt. My name is Toby DePola, and this week, uh, yeah, the boys, Kyle. Like to the new jacket. Yep. A gentleman I work with pulled up one day and gave me a big bag of the boys comics. He knew that I was putting off watching the series until I'd read some of it first, so uh, here we are. Yeah. So we're starting off with volume one, uh, the name of the game. Uh, joining me this week is um, producer Kyle. I'm usually here. Yeah, and um, do, you, do you have a stage name for this? I don't even remember. No, I don't think I do. Do you want one? Oh, no. Just call me Mike. The mysterious stranger Mike. <laughs> Run with you. It's supposed to be a Fallout episode. Yeah. God dang it. <laughs> All right, so you've, you've, you'd read these 
at, a yeah. cert- at some point. Yeah, quite a long time ago, about 10 years back. I remember I picked up the first one because our friend had it, um, and then I just couldn't stop reading it. I was just hooked. It's pretty addictive. I didn't expect to... It doesn't normally happen. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not right into the, um, the graphic novels. I normally would watch the, the manga or um, like an animated version mm. of it. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a good read. Yeah, like, as I was going through it and taking notes as I went, like, I was more engaged than I thought I would be. Yeah. Like, but, the, I, I said before we started recording, there's so many of those, like, cynical superhero books out there that I kind of didn't think much going into this. I think it's more the way that it's portrayed. Yeah, like it's the, done. The way the artist has drawn it is, it, is like, it takes it to the next level. Like, mm. the, the level of violence and the way it's shown is just not what you would expect picking up a cartoon. Even the world building, too. Like, it's like Venture Brothers level of world building in there. I found it really funny because I was sitting here, like, now that we've got two laptops, we were both writing notes, and I'm just sitting here plodding along, writing out, and he'd be like, oh, crap, forgot to write something down because he's, like, ten pages deep because he's just kept reading. And then he's like, wait, what oh, happened? Oh, shit, I was supposed to write that down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, that's a weird detail in the background. So, I like, I Google that, and then, oh, fuck, I'm reading, like, issue 21 or something to see what the backstory is on other shit. Yeah. And then there's, like, side stories with his dog. Old mate's dog. I love his dog. It's, <laughs> it's drawn really, like, it's supposed to be a big, ugly, like, bulldog thing. But it's kind of drawn pretty cute. No. It's got that ugly dog kind of cute attitude. That weird mix. I suppose like a pug like, dog. It's like Creature. So <laughs> the, ugly. The so ugly even his mum doesn't love him. So I must love him. Yeah. Alright. So The Boys uh, was written start to finish by Garth Ennis. Uh, best known for his dark humour, his grit, and not being a fan of big triumphant hero stuff. Which doesn't surprise me that he wrote this. Um, he'd worked on forgotten DC character Hitman. Not the video game guy, the comic character that existed once. Cool. Um, He did a bunch of Hellblazer, including Best Story Arc, uh, Dangerous Habits. He did The Preacher. Um, And to keep the dark, grumpy wave going, in Marvel, he also had some time with The Punisher. Well, that makes sense. (laughs) Right? Yeah, and then we have the artist, who is uh, Derek Robertson, who began with the title... he, He worked on a book called Space Beaver. Is that anything like Camp Evil? No, it's just, I don't know. It's, I don't know what to make of it. It's weird. <laughs> um, Howard the Duck. Yes, it's got some of that sort of vibe to it. Nice. Um, yeah, and then he continued with things like Transmetropolitan. He did some Punisher and Wolverine as well, and he also did Happy. Oh, you like that. The other gritty comic book turned TV series. Um, yeah, he has a brutal, violent style, and you know you can definitely tell by the books he works on that that's kind of his vibe. Um, now, to my absolute shock and awe, the first six issues, the issues we're covering today, uh, were originally put out by Wildstorm, which was Jim Lee's Wildstorm. Um, this means it's owned, it was owned by DC. Like, when this book was written, it was a DC book. Um, so... Yeah, DC put out this book, which is essentially fuck the Justice League, without sort of realising... And then I guess someone checked in on the series and realised what it was, and it was abruptly cancelled in January 2007. Um, apparently DC was uneasy with the anti-superhero tone of the work, which is kind of a very no-shit statement to make. Um, yeah, luckily they didn't even want to hold on to the property, letting the rights to the series go back to its creators, and by May of the same year, four months later, issue 7 came out under Dynamite Comics. Dynamite, Dynamite. Yeah. 
Um, there's a lot of dynamite books I read overall. I feel like it's one of the, it's, it's, one of, it's, it's one of those sleeper ones for me. I don't know. I it's think not, I know it's like not Disney and Marvel, Dark but mm. those are the two others that people would know about. Well, between like the Elvira books we read, the Vampirella books we read, the Betty Page stuff, like yeah. there's there's a lot more in my pool list by those guys than I thought. So overall, I just I love that DC didn't realize what they were putting out. <laughs> For six full completed issues, not including any concept or writing beforehand. Yeah, no one read it. That's and, like, the, the costumes of the antiheroes are so close yeah. to the DC comics. Down to the graphics on their onto their like, like the colors of their uniforms. Their, their, their Aquaman, the Deep, is literally just Aquaman's costume with a cape and a deep sea helmet covering his face. Nice. Their um their queen Meave is just Wonder Woman in silver instead of gold, which they ended up doing in the new Fifty Two anyway. Well, they like what's their Captain America analog? It just has a helmet on, doesn't he? Oh, another one talking about he's being played by the guy from Supernatural, but uh, he didn't appear in this first volume. Another one talking about because he's been popping up in the comic book news because they just cast him. Dean. Yeah. No. The, guy, the guy is Red Hood every Halloween, and yeah. everyone's like, just put him in a movie. <laughs> Yeah. Well, he does all the voicing for Red Hood in the animated... Uh, no, for Batman in the animated. Yeah, he's done a few voice roles f- throughout, honestly. I think he did Red Hood in... Under the Under. Red Hood, yeah. Then he was Batman in a recent one. Yeah, I think he's done Batman as well now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the book opens with a forward from Simon Pegg, which is funny to me because, like, the Huey in the book looks exactly like Shaun of the Dead. Like, and I said that flipping through it. Hmm. And then it turned out that's exactly who the design was based on. Good work. Yeah. And then um, Simon Pegg actually like wrote to them and he's like, yeah, this book's pretty dope, cool. <laughs> so they got him to do the forward for the volume. Um, yeah, after that, there's a gruesome splash page of a big stomping boot stomping the head of a guy with an M on the cow, which is just a tease of the attitude of the series to come. Um, and we actually get to the story from there. Uh, we meet Billy Butcher. He's just sitting around watching some supers flying by. And then he has the quote, I'm going to fucking have you, you <laughs> Right off the bat. It's like, of the first eight words on the first page, like, two of them are swears. That's a 25% ratio of cussing. Right there. And they're not they're not base level ones. They're no, like, they're not they're like... high level. Yeah, <laughs> they're going for it. <laughs> yeah, and then um, we also see his big, ugly, drooling dog, whose name is Terra. We've already mentioned. Just That's a good dog, man. Well, there, there you go. There he is sitting there. Dog. Yeah, he good. Okay, cool. I would give pet. Right. I am also a white woman, though. According to TikTok, we pet everything. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I like his big dog, but um, I like the the scumbag charm of Carl Urban in the in the boys' TV series compared to the drawn Billy Butcher. Um, I said it to Kaya, um, but if you if you took like a picture of him and just drew a big purple hood over him, he would look like Buzz Lightyear. If you put the little curly Especially hair the, on his chin, the the newest Buzz Lightyear, the actual, <laughs> yeah, the human, yeah, he's slowly turning yeah. into the Billy Butcher. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, the art and design here, like they, yeah, he, he does look like um Buzz to me. I don't know why that is, but the art is. It's got that, like, early 2000s, very 90s, like, everything's super realistic to the point of kind of being ugly, but it's done well. 
it it looks like it's hard to describe. It looks like the rotoscope movies, like mm. um, that sort of because it's it looks like it's it's a real photo that, that someone's just drawn over. Yeah, like the maybe the positions of like features on the head are always like naturally drawn, but the details are very unrealistically realistic. Mm. Mm. It's hard to describe, but. Yeah, you can tell this is the dude who drew the preacher as well, because that is like the the example of that art style. Yeah. Um. So we, Huey Campbell, um, the Shaun of the Dead looking guy, is at a carnival with Robin, a girl who looks ironically like Babs for a girl named Robin. Um. And he's chatting away about aliens who want to make people gay or something. How do you feel about his like constant conspiracy prattling? Well, it fits with the story. Like he. Um, because Butch is obviously out to recruit, yeah, and they're the type of people he wants. The so fact that, like, the, the second he that mentions it is from the CIA, and Huey's like, "Well, really?" Like, he has like a bunch of questions. He's like, "No, no, no we're actually like really boring government stuff, dude." <laughs> He's, he, he'd be a big fan of Alex Jones. So it's like hanging out with you. Yeah, there's some relatability in his manic questions. <laughs> Um, yeah, Robin finds him charming, tells him that she loves him, and they kiss, they hold on to each other's hands, and boom! A juggernaut-looking guy is just thrown straight through her by A-Train, who is, like, a flash knockoff for the for the series. Now, in the TV show, she just gets ran straight through, but in this one, she just gets, like, thrown through, I suppose. Yeah, she's collateral damage. Which is weird, because it's not... The way they mix... Like, the, the comparison between the comic and the series is weird, because, like, A-Train is way more direct in killing her in the series. Like, he just he runs straight through her doing, I don't know, just running. Whereas in this one, she just kind of gets caught in the crossfire. Yeah. But his attitude is way worse. So, it's a weird one, because, like, normally we like comic book accurate stuff here, but for everything it does differently, it sort of does well. In a weird way, like it makes it more deliberate, or more his fault. Well, the yeah. whole the whole point of that, because you you probably miss it in the TV show without, because mm. you probably wouldn't have that opening sequence of seeing Butch. Oh no, he, yeah, he, you don't see him. Yeah. No, it starts off with the that's Robin the first stuff. Thing you see, so in this one, it, it sort of sets the ground rules, the difference between the soups and the mm. normal people. Yeah, there's and, immediately like a jaded edge yeah, in between the like, two. Oh yeah, I'm better than you. Mm. Like it's. Yeah, he runs past you, telling him to get the fuck out of the way to apprehend the villain dude. And, yeah, there's a, there's a very big difference, but there's also... It's still kind of... I don't know, it's hard to describe. It's like it's been written to sort of match the same energy as the book, but I'm sure TV pacing's yeah. different, so they have to sort of mix and match some stuff. Yeah, At any rate, Robin's definitely very dead. Because in the book, they um, it, it just happens, and then... Mm. He just he's just standing there. Yeah, he's like in shock, just holding the hands for a while. Whereas in the TV show, he um, he actually communicates with the guy that that does it. But yeah. in this one, he's just that's it. Book end of end of the, end yes. of the scene. <laughs> and I like that because in the book, he's like from Glasgow or something. Like I like that all the police after the fact in during the cleanup are like fuck off back to America, Flash guy. <laughs> like they they don't want anything to do with like you know standard American superhero stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, like we said, Huey's in shock and paramedics are trying to sort of pry Robin's hands out of his while A-Train is just over there doing stretches and kind of bragging to the police who have just no interest in his shit. It's so charming. They're like, uh, fuck off. 
I mean, the paperwork alone. Mm. Yeah, the police, yeah, they're, they're just kind of like, fuck off back to America, dude. And so he does, leaving Hugh to um, scream in loss and shock of what happened. <laughs> yeah, like you said, it's pretty immediate in the series, but I'm presuming like an hour or so. Yeah. Uh, we then jump back to America to find Billy Butcher doing sex to a mean office lady whose name I forgot to write down at any point. Um, it feels very edgy 2000s, as it probably should. You know, there's lots of R-rated style here, constant. Uh, we've already seen the C-word, uh, gore, and fucking, and we're like three or four pages into this. It's <laughs> like we've done page. pretty good. And it's not just... I think it's a double page, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not a... I know. It's a lot of page, though. I'll tell you what. Yeah, it's like <laughs> half of it. Yeah, I'm... As little as I have, like, interest in the banging in the scene, like, it's so worth it to have this, her secretary do just awkwardly sitting outside her office with the dog, and they're just kind of, like, looking at each other, waiting for a dance. Well, she finds out, he says, she says, send him in, hold my calls, and then they don't talk. Yeah. That's just straight into it. Yeah, because every scene that she comes back in, it starts with them fucking before, like, they talk business every time. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like when you go grocery shopping. Everyone knows you don't go grocery shopping hungry. You gotta get out of their system. Oh, you, you gotta she, get the sexual tension she away. She doesn't. She doesn't look pleasant. She doesn't look happy to see him. She no, looks, she never looks happy during or anything. She's angry. She's like sending him in. She's angry during too. <laughs> yeah, like she's angry. mean. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Butcher had he. She's involved with the government, and Butcher's done this thing before with you know, the previous government, and he's looking to return. Uh, see, there are a lot of superheroes these days. Uh, the standard of heroism is dipping as its population is rising. Um, to me, it's like a step or two right before the Kingdom Come sort of story arc. Um, and if they wanted, they could easily take over the world in justice style. Um, Butcher is assembling a group to keep some of the loose cannons in check. Um, she, you know, show them who's boss in a way. Um, the whole who watches the Watchmen question. Um, it, the answer is a big English guy. The Accord. No, no, this, is, this dude right here, the Buzz Lightyear one in the trench coat. Like, that's, that's exactly what the Accords for Marvel are mm. as well. Yep, some time is passing by, and Huey is met by some representatives of A-Train. Uh, the short and skinny of it is that they get him to sign a compensation deal and a non-disclosure agreement for Robin's death. Because it's bad PR. But, but, like, you have to be able to explain to her parents why it's not open casket. Because she's juice. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, like, yeah, I cremated her here, sorry, she's dead. Can't talk about it. Yep. Like, how do you... He's not allowed to make formal statements about it. Like, yeah, it's weird. She died. How'd she die? I don't know. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it was capitalism and it's fine, isn't it? They've they've got something that everyone wants to be, which is a superhero. Mm. And then they've made money out of it. They've got franchising deals. They've got all this sort of stuff. Oh, the amount of, like, merchandising talk that the Seven make is crazy. So, yeah, it makes sense that they'd have that sort of... Those sorts of people Mm. to sort of manage his indiscretions. Yeah. Um, the scene itself reminds me a bit of, like, some sort of crowd anxiety. Like, all the speech bubbles, they're numerous, but they're not connected to each other, nor to anyone. Like, mm. they just, they don't have the little tail. They're just everywhere. Um, and I think it shows how lost Huey is at that point. Like, the last couple of panels are clearly his speech bubbles, though, because he just wants her back. Doesn't really care about money or compensation or anything. Um, and the next person we meet is Mr. Kessler. Who at first glance might be jerking off to a webpage for a Paralympic javelin throwing team. Nice. i got to say, like, I wish it wasn't implied he was jerking because, like, I had to look back at the other panel to catch that. 
But I just, I like the idea of this dude just, like, randomly looking at that for no reason. Like, it's almost better if he's not coming. <laughs> he's just like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, while he's, while there, his secretary <laughs> or assistant lets him know that he could Aim- just be, like, blowing his nose and moisturizing his hands. He could be, but it's definitely not. Yeah. Rose, <laughs> rose palms. Because like I didn't think about it in this panel, and then in the next one, he's like, he's just looking at this. I'm like, what? What is? Why? <laughs> what for? But yeah, um, yeah. The second he gets told that a Mister Butcher is there to see him, he you know gets up and abruptly starts trying to climb out the window. Uh, he lands on the street outside, and you know you got cool guy Butcher leaning up on the wall in classic good guy like cool dude style. Um. Yeah, he then kicks Kessler right in the balls for trying to ditch, and they both go into his office to play computers. Um, see, Kessler is... He has all the files for, like, hero misconduct, and Butcher's going through it. Like... He wants to find the bad guys of the bad guys. Yeah, like, again, he's noticing that the bar is clearly lowering, like, for hero standards. Um, and Bullet, and Butcher is finding a way more... He's finding way more cases than he expected. Like, it's gotten pretty bad. One of the recent additions catches his eye... See, it's important to Butcher that his group of five, for the task, he calls them the five, and it's important to him that it stays five, because they've lost one over time. Um, yeah, and the case he found is uh, Hugh Campbell and the death of a significant other, being Robin. Probably. Yeah. So we cut to Hugh, who's sitting alone on a park bench, watching the world continue happily without without Robin and without him, frankly. Um, with his face in his hands in the final pages, he's just there crying to himself. And then in the next page after that, just bu- like Butcher's just sitting there with him. With a bit of a man spread. Yeah, he's, he's, just, definitely he's just kicking it. Space, just hanging out. Yeah. Um, if issue one is the mobilizing issue that gets things moving, then issue two is a bit of the Ocean's Eleven, where we've got to sort of assemble our team. Um, I've never seen that film. Me either, but it's that... It's that heist stereotype where we've got to introduce all the all the players. We've seen parts of Italian Job that's kind of similar. They had little mini creepers in that one. And the one where what's his name steals um the magician one. He, na- he names yeah, all the cars lady names. I've seen that one. Gone in sixty seconds or whatever it is. That's got Nicholas Cage in it. Huh. I've seen that way too many times. I've only seen that scene where he's listening to the radio and it's playing like that. <laughs> And then he goes, let's move. And then, like, I've never seen any part of that movie. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, so this issue is sort of like... It's like teaser trailers for the characters we'll be partnering up with on the adventure. Um, and the other half of the issue is talking with Hugh about coming along. Uh, with the caveat at the beginning that the boys have a history of great violence and trauma in their files. That dog is much uglier than that dog. No, 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 no. Tells him to fuck it. Yeah. Look at that look at that face. He's like, okay. He's a good boy. Um so I, I do wanna ask, uh, Kaya. Mm-hmm. At this point of the run it's still technically a DC book. So I wonder who is a bigger threat, like with a bit of the old prep time and setup stuff. Uh Billy Butcher or Amanda Waller. Waller. Waller's got all that like superiority Waller like government don't give stuff. A fuck. But we also see, like, everything Butcher does at the same time. He hasn't done anything yet, though. 
Like, he gets mad he's at a dude a rips the thumbs off of him. He's fucked a woman and he's kicked a dude in the balls. Well, I've scene, done that. This scene here shows his character as well, because he's just talking to old mate, trying to get him on side, telling him what's going on and trying to get him on side. And then he says, want to see something funny? And then he tells his dog to go fuck that lady's dog. Amanda Waller doesn't have a dog, as far as I can tell. The dog's He's got as, that going for him. The dog's as bad as Butcher. Hey. It's like a rock. The dog looks like he's very excited for the outcomes of this day at the park. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I have seen a number of dogs that are very excited over stuffed toys. At least he's got an actual dog. <laughs> I once saw a rabbit that was gay for a guinea pig. You've, you've lived a life. <laughs> Don't grow up in a town where there's nothing to do. Apparently. Alright, so I'll split this issue up between the two parts instead of jumping back and forth. So we'll continue with Sad Hugh on the park bench. Uh, he's trying to be sad, but a yappy little dog is harshing his vibe. So the ever-helpful Billy Butcher kindly asks Tara to fuck it. Which he does. That's a kind thing. He's trying to cheer up with his sad friend. He, he's like, that dog... With dog rape. That dog <laughs> is messing with my dude. Go take care of it. Make it tired. Nothing's Let it have a nappy. do anything. Yeah. yeah, this makes Hugh laugh and the three leave to go and talk. Billy's relatively honest about things. Like, he knows who Hugh is. He knows what happened and lets him know that there will be payment on the superhero end that will not exactly be financial. See, Paul wouldn't have done that. <laughs> Yeah, she wouldn't fuck a small dog. She's <laughs> probably for the best. Um, yeah, when he mentions he's working under the CIA, uh, Huey gets all excited, asks about Area 51, subliminal messaging and stuff like that. And Billy's like, nah, CIA just frankly aren't competent enough to run the world. They're, uh, it's the big, rich, asshole businessmen, you know, the Lex Luthor-looking ones that were born in New Mexico and fly that rocket that's shaped like a dick as a hobby. I'm being real specific about who I'm talking about here. I know. I wasn't going to say the name, but if you want me to. No, it's fine. You do whatever. Anyway, after that, Billy tells Hugh that he wants someone who has seen the harm caused by the negligent heroes, gives him an envelope full of cash, and asks him to meet in New York so they can do what they're going to do. All right. So then we meet the other boys in this issue, and we'll start with another, you know, we'll start near this hard F, <laughs> because... It's the mid-2000s and Drawn Together could still air on television. We've been watching a lot of Drawn Together lately. Oh, the octopus wow, I remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the Frenchman is um, no Eugene. In fact, he has early Stark temper. Um, just to push a niche comparison a little further about French sidekicks and stuff. Um, yeah, he's in a jitter coffee reminiscing to himself when a group of just random people say some stuff you probably shouldn't say to a stranger in public. And he um, puts his little goggles down and pummels the fuck out of them. Yeah, so this scene reminds me of the one from um, uh, Trainspotting, mm. the old mate that throws the glass off the thing. <laughs> no one leaves until we find out who fucking done it. <laughs> That's that guy. Yeah, he's got a he's got a good old mean streak, but he's also got a very big like happy streak in him too. Like he's so excited to see Billy again. And Prusher is kissing him in that scene. Yeah, because he's or French. strangling him. That's what French people do. They do the cheek kiss, like Italian people. Yeah, I like. I feel like I've seen a Jitter coffee before, but I'm probably thinking of whichever one was in the Flash TV show. They look similar to me. I mean, all coffee shops are Starbucks esque. <laughs> um, Not really, because Starbucks has has the mermaid, but yeah, like Lori like jeans and everything, they just have like a cup. I'm trying to think what the logo reminds me of, though. It's just that. It's cup. easier to see it in this. Gotta quickly Google the one in the Flash show because I feel like they're so similar. 
So you can edit this part down if you like. Or don't. It's fine. <laughs> oh, um, now you tell me I don't have to edit. Is that because last week's took me like four hours longer than usual? Yeah, we do good. There's your puppy. Yeah, there is yeah, one look, called Jitters. There's a Jitters in Central City. I told you, man. So there Shared you go. Universe. Jitter coffee and Jitters. Yeah. Um, the next person we meet is a female who's a teeny little emo lady knocking on the door of a gentleman who is also using the hard F. Um, he also answers the door and calls her a uh, which female doesn't appreciate because she goes inside and everyone in, in the building is seemingly dismantled. Um, Billy watches from the street. Um... So the swearing in this, it's harsh and everywhere, but I kind of don't mind it because it is very of its time, and I still think censoring harsh language makes it kind of more powerful if you let them run out of steam on your own. kind of does. Like, calling someone a pinhead doesn't really carry much weight anymore. But, you know, that's fine. Um, next in the, in the group is a big guy named Mother's Milk. Um, he seems to be trying hard in his community and raising his niece after the boys went their separate ways last time. But he's having a tough, you know, he's having a tough time with her because she's a teenager, as you do. Apparently, um, teenagers are difficult. Yeah, I'll leave the things at that Wait. because her friend group there are like some boondocks level that I have no place describing as a white guy. There's there's some like stereotypy I mean, that, attitudes going on there. That that guy has a marijuana on his hat. Yeah, but he's also got the bandana under the hat, so you know he's a big fan of Eminem. Yeah, is he wearing some sort of like a sports jersey? Yes. I thought it was a make. I thought it was like a um a kimono or something. No, no, <laughs> one of those like old school smoking jackets. Because I didn't realize that he was just showing off his gun. Nah, it looks like a football. You think he's the dude from the fucking bunny ranch? Yep. <laughs> um, I do like uh, Billy, like pinching the guy's gun off him, and then just telling off the niece really hard for being disrespectful towards adults who are genuinely trying to do the right thing. Well, it's the first time you see him do something super as well because he crushes the gun mm. as he takes it off him. Which makes sense because if he's going up against the baddies, mm. he's got to have some sort of... Yeah, they, they, they explain that a bit later. Mm. Um, so, issue three. I is like my superheroes. Not super. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, issue three is when we finally meet the seven. It's wild that it takes that long to meet them properly, because they're sort of like the main... That is a lot of setup. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's the fact that this doesn't have, like, any build in it. Like, this isn't Batman versus Two-Face now. Like, yeah. it doesn't have any sort of setup There's on no its own. background. Yeah, you got to build the world and the rules on your own. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're just two parallel stories. So mm. you've got them at their level doing super, super stuff. Yeah. And I'm at the bottom level just yeah. Trying to just break the world, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we met uh, A-Train early on, but we get to meet a few more here. Uh, we follow a new cr- a recruit named Annie January, which is such a fucking comic booky name to me, uh, a.k.a. Starlight. Um, she's climbed the ranks of small-time hero groups. Again, that world-building, you know, like, she started off in Capes for Christ and then moved on to Young Americans, and is finally all the way at the top, joining the Seven. Um, I, I like how fleshed out it is. Mm. Um, yeah, she shows up on the Seven's, you know, half Watchtower, half Shield Helicarrier thingy, and she's met there by Homelander. Uh, they have they, they chat a little bit, and he seems nice enough. Um, and she takes a seat at their table. Homelander gives her one more test, you know, before she can be a proper member. 
but go on page turn reveal that, and it is to suck it. Yeah, yeah. We see a horrible face of shock, and Homeland is bare ass, and yeah, but he's got a tan line too. Yeah. Wears a bikini. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know he uses those weird like blue like cocoons at a tanning salon too. Like yeah. he doesn't get that from like the beach. Not when he's wearing full length like spandex <laughs> super spandex oh maybe he does those um those old marvel swimsuit editions they will definitely never try doing again <laughs> what you mean stanley with two whole cans no 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 i'm talking to, i mean i think that one's how anna senti is still in the fucking business but <laughs> you you reckon she's got the she's, copies of the yeah she's got where the, the hands aren't protecting yeah that's what i mean she's got some of the spider-man ones with the webbing she got stanley's dick <laughs> yeah. she's got secret dick pics out there man um, so yeah, we've, <laughs> we'll take a break from that story arc right there to, um, we'll go check in on Huey. Out the front of this horrible garbage hotel in the Bronx, uh, he's picked up by Billy Butcher in a cab. Uh, Butcher gives him a fresh new passport and they, you know, you get a good wide shot of New York and it looks like it's in a constant state of, um, like that big comic book finale where there's like a lot of destruction, there's dark clouds rising from the buildings in the back. And the Brooklyn Bridge is in fragments in the water. And yet, really strange in a 2006 book, the Twin Towers are still there. Well. So let's talk about that real quick, because I googled what's going on there. The, the great comic. Oh, uh, Mike is looking at um, the Stanley Stan nude that they don't really talk about no more. Because he's a mascot character. <laughs> so, in issue 21... There is a reveal that the Seven were called to stop plane hijackers on the 11th of September 2001. Um, a young kid sees the hero... Like, I, I went and found the issue that this comes from. And a young kid sees the heroes, like, coming, like, towards the plane. He thinks they're saved. And then Homelander tears the door off the plane. And the kid just gets sucked out to presumably his death. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it doesn't get much better from there. The passengers are panicking. And a frustrated Homelander just screams at them to shut up. And his superhuman voice blows out every eardrum on the plane. Um, as he breaks into the cockpit, uh, that deep guy we mentioned earlier, their Aquaman, punches his way through the plane's windshield, making essentially a wind tunnel. And Homelander may have called him the N-word twice. Or the terrorists twice. I don't know. It's very, it's very chaotic in that scene. Um, I mean... They he's still just saying kill it. a whole plane full of people. Not yet. No, we're still on the plane in flight. Yeah, I know, but he's ripped out a door, and the other one has smashed through the windshield. Oh, like no one's within, doing well within seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's contact with the uh, yeah. plane. Yeah. So one thing leads to another. Homelander comes out of the cockpit covered in blood. Everyone inside it uh, is dead. The only one in the seven who could fly a plane and land it safely was Black Noir who dropped early on, leading to another secret mystery about how he could have survived, which I know the answer to because uh, White Collar told me already. And that's that's a twist for later, I think. Okay. All right. So anyway, they're good old... The, the original speedster before A-Train, a guy named Mr. Marathon, cool name, um, he's freaking out about this, and Homelander at a certain point just says, fuck this, and goes to leave. Um, he hits Queen... Um, Meave? Marv? I don't know. Meave? He, he, he punches Wonder Woman on his way out, it doesn't matter. And Mr. Marathon grabs onto him on his way out, and like he's like hanging onto his leg while he's flying, and he actually talks him into trying to do something. The plane is heading straight into New York, which is, you know, bad. Uh, Homelander decides to smash like into the back of the plane to try to level it back out, to keep it from landing in the city proper. Um, he goes a little too fast, smashes the entire tail off the plane, the force of the impact decapitates Mr. Marathon in the process, 
Uh, the plane falls short of the city, but lands on the bridge. So Homelander has been dropping the ball for years. There you go. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, it's the same as... He didn't prevent 9-11. He just moved it a couple blocks down. Like, yeah, it shows how much of an incompetent group they are. Well, they get a high turnover of staff as well. They just, oh, yeah. they just keep dying. Um, and, I, and it is a good world building. Like, they've, they're already hinting at it, like, literal volumes before they actually explain that stuff. Like, it's already set. There's a lot of a lot of detail and world building there. But yeah, it, it also does show how much the superheroes have been dropping the ball. And speaking of superhero balls, Starlight um, is not really into the whole dick thing. I also don't like his face. Because I know his penis is out in that image. I don't like the way he's looking at me. Yeah, yeah. she's like, oh no. She... I mean, if she wanted to do it, and you're just sitting there reading a book. Um, well, it's not Javelin. No. Not disabled Javelin. <laughs> yeah, she gets up to leave. Um, when A-Train and Black Noir show up, um, not to be confused with Cat Noir show up, um, she thinks Homeland has been maybe brainwashed or controlled or something, you know, comic booky. But their dicks are out also. No one is forcing her to suck dicks. It just comes down to how much she actually wants the job. Um, yeah, I guess their hope is this Starlight is a Superman lover, which is a 2001 French house music reference. So we're going to jump past that into after she does what she does um, and she's throwing up in the bathroom. This does make more sense as to your questioning last night. <laughs> I was going to make a reference about real world tragedies, but that's okay because we've already done 9-11. I don't want to push it. Um, yeah, she's thrown up in the bathroom. Um, she, she, the only time she comes up for air is to meet Qu- the Queen Molov, who pretty much tells her to fuck off in the ultimate bad meet and great, you know, don't meet your heroes style. She just has, she, she just has no interest in talking to this girl. <laughs> Very rude. Um, yeah, so after that, the five get together and talk business. I mentioned young Americans earlier. They're like the old fashioned types of Teen Titans style. But if you want a more edgy group, that's uh, Teenage Kicks with an X, which makes sense because I get a lot of that grim, dark Marvel X-Men sort of vibe out of them. Um, that's the group the boys are going after first, you know, rolling rolling a feel for them. Sorry, rolling a few of them won't raise too much alarm, but it also announced the return of the boys doing what they're doing. And <laughs> Oh, yeah, totally. They're all, They're all very clearly like... Other things like they're they're half based half based boys, just a like a werewolf, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, but they've all they've always got a, they've got a speedster. He's got the impulse got... like headset and everything. She's just X twenty three. Yeah, like girl Wolverine ended up being an actual thing in X Men, so they're kind of and then you the know, Nightwing, Soundwave. What's the shouty dude? Well, he's got like a black canary sort of thing. Oh yeah, he's na- yeah his name is Shout Out. So I'm assuming that's his power set. But yeah, these are who we're going after. So issue four opens with Teenage Kicks doing some light fucking. You know, we see some boobies and that's cool. And um, by we see, I mean we Huey. He's uh, monitoring with binoculars as they swap partners at a brothel. Most brothels will not accept supers due to the damage left upon the women. Um, That's nice of them. (laughs) They're running across the hallway. Yeah, they're, they're doing like the change places bit from like Alice in Wonderland, but with pussy. That's a whole other musical chairs game. Yeah, when they actually want to do a real gritty live action. Fucking Alice in Wonderland, let me know. Um, yeah, it's good news, bad news, though. Like, I, ugh, the, all the sex 
in the series is so blatant and crazy. But it also puts it on a higher level than, say, like, Dark Knight Returns or Watchmen or all those other, like, annoyingly dark, edgy books of the time. Like, normally I get really defensive about the hero being scumbag angle because, you know, they're not... They're better... They're nicer than the people you meet in the street because they're, like, fucking role models. They're literally drawn and written to be not shitheads. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you can't accept that people can be good is more of a thing about the writer than the you know this than what he's actually writing you know it's like oh you weren't hugged much as a kid were you bud you know it's one of those yeah. but this is like so like leaning into it so crazy hard it's almost like an austin powers in a james bond world like you can't compare the two it's, it's so far gone which honestly i think helps a lot in my reading of it if it's it's like if it was balls to the walls yeah, it's like crank, or crank too high voltage. Yes, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, I can't take this seriously. I'm safe here. Um, so yeah, uh, we also see the girls in there taking this blue powder, which will be followed up on later as the issue rolls on. Uh, there is a drug throughout the series called Compound V. It was developed by the Nazis to boost humans into super soldier territory. Um, Captain America reference, if you want to put one there. Um. Yeah, and that chemical continued to be used to develop superheroes. Like, it's it's literally the pill from Injustice. You know, the, the one that they had to take to justify Green Arrow getting punched by Superman in that game. Like, everyone just had that convenient pill. <laughs> um, the the leveling pill. It, yeah, it's literally what it was in that, and it's literally what it is here. <laughs> um, yeah, and later Butcher... Um, gets some from that office liaison lady and uses it on Huey, who flips out about being randomly ejected with Nazi science without any warning, which is kind of fair. I can't argue with that. He loves the CIA, it's fine. Yeah, it doesn't help, does it? It's like, like, yeah, that guy's really, like, stressed about how powerful the CIA is. I'm working for the CIA, I'm just going to drug him. And he'll be fine with it. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. Um, Yeah, meanwhile, Starlight actually gets her formal introduction into the Seven during a meeting, but is surprisingly very quiet and not seemingly as excited anymore. Um, I wonder what could have happened to make her not as excited. Well, the A-train makes it clear. Yeah, he's maybe embarrassing her a little bit doing that. And the rest of the meeting is exclusively bickering about merchandising and Starlight continues to get more and more disenfranchised because the Seven suck. Um, Apparently quite a lot. I know I've been playing a lot of Fallout, but the fact that their Martian Manhunter is like... A, like a tan skin tone he looks exactly like a ghoul to me you know he's yeah, a big yeah. martian with no nose he looks like that what's that um the red skeleton guy a red skull yeah but <laughs> without the skull he just yeah if you if you threw a layer of skin over that guy yeah he's like red skull <laughs> crossed Hare krishna type deal yeah nice i love how very clearly they are the justice league and dc just didn't notice for half a year <laughs> that's so that's fucking wonderful Yep, the other piece of the of this issue is that the five have started to monitor the kicks group. Um, you know, they're out being shitty, being gross, doing all that stuff. You have Mother's Milk um, taking snapshots of a couple of them at a movie premiere for Pearl Harbor 2, which I was quickly Googling to see if, like, did, did Pearl Harbor literally get a sequel in this jaded universe? Um, it's hard to tell because there's, like, a parody movie poster called Pearl Harbor 2, the Pearl Mageddon. And it's hard to get around that on the internet when you're looking this up. Because The Boys is a vague fucking title. And it's hard to Google any of it. Um, yeah, they have a lady between the two of them. Um, 
Have you ever heard of skiing, Kaya? Because she's skiing. With, you know, like with the ski poles. Cross country. Oh. It's a, it's a, you do that well. It's a jerk-off joke. It's, I could tell. It's, very, it's a very physical activity. Hmm. Your <laughs> arms would be either very crunk or very tired. Yeah. Um, and then we have the Frenchman photo- photographing a group of them visiting a children's hospital while one entertains the kids. Um, another pickpockets meds, you know, painkillers for sick children, just to really I mean, lean into how wonderful lady. these people are. Um, and another couple blow each other in the bathroom while they smoke crack. <laughs> Um, and the last one is the female who's checking in on their X-23 knockoff, who is Popclaw, um, who stayed home for a quiet night of self-harm. I mean, she is an emo. I can also see why the TV show is slightly different to this, because of everything in What, you, you think ratings matter? I don't know if they do on streaming anymore, but I would say they would have a lot of trouble actually putting this exact version <laughs> to the TV. The, just the... Um... Just trying to keep everything in sequence as well. Mm. It's, it's easy to do it in a book, but yeah, there's no way that you could. Oh, the have can, comic book pacing is so far removed from TV pacing. Oh, I don't like, know. It's so we, hard. we saw some great flashbacks. Well, the TV stuff usually stripped right down, and you've got to have some sort of background thing. But they've also got to be vague enough that you can sort of get it. Like yeah, just watching the scene. And for like, there's just too much information. You know, you you got like your three act structure in movies and stuff, but. Comic books are based around the page turn reveal, and this thing jumps back and forth constantly because it's doing that. Like, it doesn't really translate so good. Could you imagine if we cut back to the Riddler in the Batman, like, every two minutes, just to see how he was doing? It wouldn't work as well, would it? Especially over that three-hour runtime, like, goddamn. I'd get very sick of him, like, you know, (laughs) at the end of- One punch, moves on. One no, punch moves on. Yeah, like Robert Pattinson has, has like a line of dialogue and it cuts to, to what's his name, Dano? The Riddler guy like glad wrapping his hair so he doesn't leave DNA on the scene. And then we cut back to Batman and he says one more bit of dialogue, Catwoman responds, and then we check in on him, he's fitting his mask and then putting the glasses over the top of them. And then you we just, cut back again. You just <laughs> get the Riddler trying out his like B-grade material. Like, oh, he's doing all the shitty riddles. Yeah, he's like... <laughs> the ones that don't really... It's play. him like going through like the newspaper looking at the crossword being like... Ah, too easy. Scribbles that one out. Mm, nah, it's really, like, just really selecting stuff. Um, so issue five. Huey um heads to the the park bench to do some thinking. You know, because he's like, this is pretty heavy shit that I've stumbled into. I didn't know I was going to be in an R-rated book. Um, only um that Annie January woman is also there, and they get to talking. He's saying he has an opportunity, but he isn't sure of the people he's having to do this with. And Annie's obviously having a very similar problem, what being, you know, mouth gang banged. Um, yeah, she had to do something awful to get where she is, and she isn't sure if it will be worth it. But he tells her if you've already done penance, you may as well do the sin too. Um, they both feel better and go their separate ways. And it's a nice moment, like, in a monsoon of drugs and gore and sexual assault. It's like a nice overall comic book little moment. It's nice to take a break from just the horrors of this fucking reality. Um, yeah, so Huey decides to stay for now to follow up, like follow through on the teenage kick stuff, and then decide what to do after the fact. You know, see where this one goes. So the boys send all their findings, all their photos to the teenage kicks group to cause some real drama in their ranks, with a note saying that their group can decide to go out one. Oh, they, they sorry, they can out one of their own. Or it all goes public, and they choose shout-out. 
because he is gay and black, so people judging him on TV will be less likely to do so. Because, you know, you're upsetting a lot of other groups in that. It's that whole publicist angle. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, the uh, fact that that's how they decide the to is pretty fucking, you know, it's very on brand for this universe. Um, Yeah, so he, he does like a... He does, like, a proper statement, like a YouTuber who texted a kid, you know, that kind of stuff. He apologizes for his transgressions and leaves the Teenage Kicks for, you know, he goes on a hiatus. Um, the news hits the seven, and Homelander grows suspicious. Like, he says, like, this feels like him. He's obviously had some run-ins with Billy before. Um, when Starlight wants to support Kicks in their tough time, like Homelander kind of dismisses her and requests that her costume be given a more Alvira sort of neckline. Deeply. Yeah, pretty deep. Yeah, belly button. Yeah, belly button. <laughs> belly button, belt, somewhere in between there. It's like a conversation I had with uh, a certain person's small individual about Power Girl. Oh, and Power why she girls. has. No, no, Power Girl. Why she has such like a large window in her outfit? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'd be like, um, she gets powered up by sunlight. The solar. Panel. I've seen that as a sad excuse in comics. I've also seen like because I'm not really like related to Superman, I can't put the S there, so I just have like this empty hole because I'll never have a place. And I'm like, that's fucking such a weird answer to justify this. Um, I usually like to go with I'm proud of my woman body. And you can suck it. I, I, I much prefer the bimbo pride attitude than those really weird stretch justifications that the male writers try to put on it. Yeah. It's fine when a lady writer's like, because I'm hot, fuck you. Like, I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. We can chill out then. Look. It's safe. place on the spot by a seven-year-old. I came up with the best one I could come up with. <laughs> yeah, but Solar panels. That's yeah. how they justified um, Starfire's literal just wearing a bikini in the new 52. It's like, oh, I need lots of solar power. But they're, they're wearing skin tight suits anyway. You see everything. Oh, totally. Like, there's, yeah. There's no difference. Look, have you not seen a woman in, like, a knight's movie? They always have terrible armor. <laughs> We're the first to die, but you guys can't even make a sandwich without us. Yeah, but we also, like, had He Man. He's very objectified <laughs> in his, his outfit of two seat belts and a skirt. And his bowl haircut. That's oh. what I'm talking about. That <laughs> meme where it's, it's, it's not a belt. <laughs> <laughs> it's just his pubes. <laughs> um, oh, where are we at? Okay, so... The boys are going their separate ways for the night after they've sort of really fucked with the Teenage Kicks PR. Um, and that's who show up. Uh, including Chad Out himself. Um, and it could have come off, like, in any other book as the team managing to track down the group blackmailing them and serving justice. But this big game character, the one you said looks... He has the Nightwing mask. Mm -hmm. um, he's just cussing and being lame. It's the old school Nightwing mask, too. Yeah. Like, it's, the 90s one. It's, it's killing that, oh, we found the bad guy's vibe because he's such a clear dick. He's just being a petulant child. Oh, hell yeah. And he's also having trouble talking tough because um, Billy's just giggling his whole tough talk time. Yeah, he's literally crying. <laughs> yeah, he's having a great time because he knows where this is going. Um, and it, where it goes is issue six, in which a fight immediately breaks out. Um, Butcher just puts a nice Glasgow kiss right into him, right into um, big game mid-sentence. Very lovely panel there. His face really... Smushes. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, this guy draws a good neck roll. 
Draws a nice smushed face. Yeah, it's like a slow motion. Yeah, it's got that slow motion vibe, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. Uh, you got um, Mother's Milk just... I think dislocating the fuck out of that chin. I don't know. I think I mean, he's just like... It's like... There's like a hole in his cheek here, I, th- I think. I think it's just his that face is just spun like, to the back of his head. It's doing some stuff. That's just, that's just 100% for sure. I'm like, oh, mate, swearing in an accent. Yeah. See, I said that to Kyra. It's like in the TV series, he's from New York. And I'm like, how are they supposed to do his funny little accent that I see in the speech bubbles? Um, yeah, what else is there? Um, Frenchman kicking balls. Female is just inside out in the face of their X-23. Um, Huey's a bit lost in the chaos here, as you can imagine. He gets grabbed by one of them, and in panic, and with the compound V in his system that we mentioned him um, non-consent into, um, he punches a hole through the guy. He starts to panic because he just murdered someone. Butcher tries to talk to him mid-fight, and shout-out zaps him on the face, making him a little mad, and ripping his thumbs off. That's problematic. He's got a bit of a temper, that one. <laughs> that guy who's designed exactly to be a big scary soccer hooligan of a person yeah he's got a bit of a mean streak yeah but you forgot to mention that he's holding him by the balls yeah, he's, he, yeah he was already holding <laughs> he's swinging him around by the balls yeah um yeah he tears the thumbs off um and then to really remind you that this is 2006 and it's the boys uh one, in the most edgy of all directions they could take this comic um Blarney Cock the uh the dead one a hamster crawls out of his ass yeah. Just to remind you that this book is going for it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, this event, this book makes Zombie Tramp feel like a Disney princess, comparatively. <laughs> um, yeah, after this, you know, they have the most classic comic book hero funeral, like, akin to Terror, or Terror, in, like, Judas Contract, or any time one of the Flashes dies, which feels like once a year. Feels like a lot of it. You, you know the one where they're all in costume standing by the co- like by the fancy memorial statue? Mm-hmm. They have one of those for this guy. Does um, that have a hamster up its butt? No, no. Um, Huey keeps it because he, he feels bad for pet. the animal. He keeps it as a pet. He's like, oh, you poor bastard. What's the one from South Park? Lemmy Winks? Yeah, yeah it's, it's fucking Lemmy Winks. <laughs> everyone else is just like, leave it alone. He's like, don't touch that life. dude. Come on. <laughs> Please wash. Take a hug. Use some hands up. Yeah. Um... And the Seven know definitely that this is what it is. You know, Billy Butcher is back and is dangerous as ever. Um, After they watch the funeral, Huey decides he wants to pack up and head home. Like, he's like, that was very hardcore and I just murdered someone. I don't don't fucking know about this, dude. Um, I also love, just to show how, like, vapid and publicized the hero stuff is, they've got, like, those, like, those red carpet fucking, like, banners behind them during the news interviews. They're very cheap, surprisingly. It's the it's the fact that they're using them is very quote unquote cheap, <laughs> you know. Yeah, again, it, it's those little details that really show how like clearly set Monetary. out they were when they started writing this book. Like they knew exactly what they wanted. Um. Yeah, we have the the funeral. Um, Huey wants to go home. Butcher tells like as he's leaving, he tells him that his wife was raped by a superhero once. Um, so, again, like my 9-11 tangent, let's go into that one. I was vaguely aware of the TV series because of White Collar, and I was pretty sure that the wife survived or something. Um, she does in that version. So I thought maybe he was just blatantly lying to Huey. Um, so I went back and checked. In volume 10, 
we see the flashbacks. While in a holiday in Miami, Billy's wife Becca is raped by Homelander, of all people. Billy doesn't know that at, the, at first. Um, she never did say anything. Um, she just became very distant, very sad. Um, then one night, Billy wakes up to his wife dead and a premature Homelander baby floating above her blown-out abdomen still attached via an umbilical cord. Again, to remind you that this is like, you know, we all just we all just survived Y2K and we're all getting a little bit wild. So it's that era of pop culture. Um, yeah, the baby then tries to fire its eye lasers. It burns a couple scars into Billy's arm and he grabs it around the throat and beats it to death with a table lamp. It's a pretty interesting few panels to look at. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very wild comic scene there because it, it goes where it's like that that zombie trope is like you never see the zombie babies until z nation yeah there's that episode in z nation where the, the fast zombie baby goes after him and he can't kill it because it's a baby yeah because that they they did all that in that um is it night of the dead the one in the mall yeah but they didn't show it like it's all done with sound effects which is it's well done but they don't normally fuck with you, you don't you don't show a lot of killing a baby in tv or movies or anything but yeah, of course boys went and said, fuck that, that uh, envelope, we're going to push it over. <laughs> as, the, yeah. as they do. Because I, I don't think he I don't think he admits who it was there. No, he, he doesn't say it, but I was like, I wonder if he's like just talking into like Huey's ear. Because I was comparing like him knocking their Justice League down a peg immediately to like the JLA of the New 52, which was just Amanda Waller assembling a crew specifically to fuck with the actual Justice League. Mm. Yeah. So I was like, I wonder if this is all just blatant lies to get what he wants. So I go back and Google it. I'm like, oh, no, he's genuinely being pretty honest with this guy. And I was like, all right, nice. Props to him. Doesn't it build through and it explains the genetic of the the supers getting passed down because the kids have the same powers as the parents? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like, it shows how he worked it out. But, yeah, um... Yeah, yeah, he's being honest with Huey. I like that. Um, he also tells him that superheroes have a sixty percent casualty allowance. Uh, they're just bad at it. Like, not even the ones that mean well. You know, none of them are trained for hostage situations or anything like that. They're just, it happens. Um, but Billy likes Huey. Wants him to stay. They're like brothers in arms here. You know that. And I like the little tiny image at the end, of, at the bottom of the page. Like, it's no panel. It's just. Billy and Huey and Taro on a park bench. And Billy asks him how the hamster's doing. Which is like a fun callback, sure. But they're just chatting like friends. Like, it's it's just a nice little, like, bonding moment there. It's cool. Um, and the book ends with the boys watching the Seven on the News introducing Starlight, whose costume is now very similar in shape and yellow boots to a Mrs. Doctor Monarch. Yeah. Right? I think it's mostly the yellow... You know, gloves and boots. But that's what I think of. Um, yeah, and that's uh, volume one. I like that they fucked with X Men of all people because you, really. you don't like X Men. It's such a convoluted series. It seems like too much of an effort to try and learn because <laughs> you have to have read everything since like John Byrne, and that's everything. That's you know, like Ultimate X Men, Omega X Men. There's like thirty different ones, and they come out every week. And <laughs> it just seems like a lot of effort. And they all matter. Every goddamn one of them. <laughs> Ugh. So, yeah. What are your thoughts on this book, Producer Kyle? Uh, I didn't read it because you started quoting off the first couple well, of pages. Well, page one has the C like, word, oh. so I'm like, this isn't really her cup of tea. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to force it on her. But, 
do you understand what I mean? Like, it's so far out there that it kind of is... It's kind of its own beast. I like it. Yeah, I got that. And it's world building. Or that sort of stuff always holds my attention. I like that I sort mean, of stuff. I mean, listen to our Bench Pro episodes. Mm. If, if people take the time and really map out their stuff, usually I'm going to want to explore it. You know, I can't help it. Um, What about you, uh, Mike? Mike? Yeah. Mac TV. <laughs> yeah. Mike. Yeah, well, that's like I said at the start. I was like, I read this first book. I was lent mm. it, and then I was hooked. Yeah, once once that ball gets rolling, I'm like, I could I could read some more of this. Yeah, because how many how many actual volumes are there? I think I, I ended up buying the um, the compendium, which had everything in it already, because it, it was out from a while before I've, I got it. I've got them in a like little. 12. I've got them in the Coles bag that was brought to me in. Yeah, so I got it so in one big book, so I wasn't quite sure mm. how many individual graphic novels there were. But It feels yeah. like a lot of it's packed into it for six issues, that's for sure. I tell you what, it's hard work when it's one book, because you just don't stop. Mm. Well, there's 12 it here. It changes your world. But nine is very thick. Yeah. Well, that's where all the good stuff goes down. I'm pretty sure volume 10 was the baby flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> so so it, all, it all just continues to spiral out pretty hard from here, I'd imagine. Yeah, like, I think it's pretty slow at the start. Like, I mentioned it, but because it's doing so much world building, I can I can understand it and definitely give it permission. Like, I, mean, I, I get it. doesn't have 80 years worth of legend mm. to it. That's does, what it I mean. does it need it, though? Like, look at what happened in that first book. There's another 12. Mm. Like, where do they go? Like, that's it. Like, it's, <laughs> they do a good job of... It's well written, that's for sure. Like, what, it's done well. What do they have to do to make you buy the next book every time? Yeah. They're going to ramp it up 12 times. Yeah. I can't wait to see what other, like, clear parodies of superhero teams that they fuck with throughout the run, you know? Well, there's the Candace, Candlestick Maker. I can't wait to see them fight Captain Adam. <laughs> um, yeah, just hit him with a fire extinguisher. Maybe, sort of a know. thousand men. Yeah, I can only it's like a G.I. Joe type deal. <laughs> yeah, and it is fun because they're not subtle about who they're parodying, so it just it's very... You don't have to think too hard about it. It's like, oh yeah, we're we're gonna beat the shit out of Blue Beetle today. Cool. Let's see, let's see how we go. I'm on board. Um, yeah. You ready for homework question? Yep. What is um? This was a pretty small, like it, it was popular. It had a big cult following, but it's relatively underrated. I wondered what series of comics you'd like to see done the same way. Um, was it Prime? Does the boys? Um. Do you, do you have something you would like to see done? Doesn't, well, have, doesn't necessarily have to be a comic. I'm you gave me this question before right now. I think I mentioned it yesterday, That's but I probably really didn't. helpful. What's well, one of those little... Th- you, you probably want... Um, you, you've already had it. Figment. You, you want a Figment TV series? Well, it's got comics. It doesn't have to necessarily be comics, but anything underrated that you're like, oh, that could blow up if they but put it, it on TV. Comics. Yeah. It's a little purple dragon. That's all I know. That's pretty much all there is. Yeah, amazing. They, they deleted all of his backstory. <laughs> he used to be a mascot for one of the parks. And they were like, if we just, like, remove it from everything, people will forget about it. But all that it did was really made it just a challenge work. for, like, diehard fans to, like, not let it go now. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we don't talk about that anymore. And everyone's like, why? <laughs> what are you why? hiding? Where, where is he? What did you do with him? Oh, so why now- isn't he here anymore? <laughs> So you've made it exclusive and fancy for us old people, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, Disney does that all the time. They took out an animatronic from one of their rides because, like, it was just a bitch to maintain. 
And it just made it was, more popular. Like, I think it was there for three days, and people were like, where is it? What have you done with it? So they brought it back 80 years later, and people were like, yeah, that's well, right. now we're not the only person that's seen it. <laughs> yeah, now it's They're not like, as cool what, what anymore. What do you want from us? <laughs> like, either we put the hat box of those in, or we don't. Yeah. Those are the two options. Um, I'd rather see Sandman Slim done as movies. So instead, I went with, um, I'd like to see Zombie Tramp do a big ass series. Like, the horror and B grade, like, charm and silliness, I think, would make for, like, an Ash vs. Evil Dead, but, you know, with anime boobies. I don't want to be anime, though. I want them to see CGI boobies. Like, they did a leader's eyes. I think that the reason why it's so appealing is it's, it's such, like, a, a flip on what you'd normally expect, like, the wholesome heroes. And it's, going like, a hard insane. flip, too. Like, it's every fucking thing. It's like, yeah, they fucking, they swearing, they do the drug. Like, it's every box you can possibly take. Well, that's why people like the Netflix Marvel shows, because they weren't clean. Yeah, because they fit those characters. The, like, that Defender Daredevil group. and Jessica and stuff like that. Yeah, it makes you wonder what else they could rewrite and, like, attack. Mm. In that, like, some... I don't know. I don't know what's so good. It's like a... I would have liked them to have done Moon Knight, but obviously we're getting that now anyway, so we'll, we'll, we'll sort of see as it comes out. But he'd be definitely in that wheelhouse of, like, definitely not the big, bright, colourful superhero characters. He's a nutcase at best. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The... The, the parts I've seen of it on, mm. on the show is sort of it's gone more of like a comical thing rather than a super aggressive violence. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's got there's it de- there's like blood and guns and and adventure and let's call it swashbuckling, but it definitely does not have that Daredevil edge to it. There's no there's no hallway scene or anything like that. Yeah, Daredevil just gets beaten up a lot. Mm. But he is blind. He can't see where the monsters are coming he, from. He does all right. <laughs> he, he has to hear for them. Surprising that he hear something when it's smacking you in the earballs. He could be defeated by like a fire alarm. That, that must suck. <laughs> no, he's just out there with loop headphones. No. He's, he's, he's got earplugs in. Well, then he can't hear nothing. It's going based on smell at that point. No, you can still hear because they're loop, so it only brings down the top levels of noise. Oh, you fancy noise cancelling one. Yeah, because yeah, he squeaks like a bat, doesn't he? That's what he does at Sonar. Yeah, because he, he whacks his, his fancy sticks like he, like blind people use their actual stick for occasionally. Oh. Echo licking. It'd be more fun if he, like, squealed. <laughs> if he's just just walking down an alley, just making noise, yeah. <laughs> Wait! He's just listening to see where it echoes from. I was like, alright, cool. Well, that's, um... <laughs> I always talk about um, what's his name wearing his like hard soled shoes because he learnt to work out where an open doorway was by the sound of it reflecting back at him. Mm. Who's this? Um, Wait, tap shoes. No, no, just hard soled like suit shoes. And he like, sat there and used to practice. Yeah. Um, Ray Charles. That was that was his tip for like working out backstages at pubs and things like that. He'd wear echoey boots, hard toe, oh, hard sole suit shoes. Oh yeah, and you'd see him. He would like take a step and then he would step again and be like, "Let's do it that way." (laughs) (laughs) Gonna go that way and work out what the door is. This reminds me of that Stevie Wonder conspiracy that Stevie Wonder could actually see. (laughs) Google it. I know it's out there. I love that shit. It's funny. It's got the people that are like, yeah, he was just looking right at me, and he waved. <laughs> it's like, did he hear you talk and was being polite? Maybe. 
<laughs> Maybe, but no. Nah. Definitely. There's one guy that says he picked him up in a car, like drove a car. No, I don't, I don't know about that guy. I don't, I don't yeah, trust. he's just honking the horn the whole way. It's <laughs> echolocated. I mean, that said, I, I borrowed uh, Mike's car last mm. weekend or yeah. the other day. That thing doesn't stop talking to you. The beep 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 beep. You turn it on and it sings the song of the washing machine. That was very confusing. Well, it is a Japanese car. Every time I was like, if I would. Going around a corner, we go slightly to the side, start beeping. Trying to overtake a car, starts beeping. Well, you have yeah, two times the car, starts beeping. I'm like, my wife oh needs my God, constant reassurance she's doing the right thing. She's a beeps. It was, it beeps. was a very interesting trying to drive a car that just kept making noise at me. I was like, I am on the road. Well, she's so highly strung by the time she gets I've to work. Doing yes, this for like, five minute drive, but the, the car's, car's been screaming out at the whole time. Be better. Drive better. You call this driving, you make me sick. <laughs> it's what it was. I know. It's great. It only beeps when you cross the line and there's no lines. <laughs> but, that's, but that was the thing. I was like, I haven't gone off the road. There's nothing There's nothing there to indicate that I've gone off the road. Oh, it does get angry when you, you go a bit close to the cars in front of you as well. They'll like dash, flashes red and beeps. Well, I've, I've seen that one. I chose not to do it because I was like, if I do anything to the child or the car, I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> Must return both. Ned doesn't even wear fancy clicky shoes. <laughs> it does not. Alright, we good? Yeah, we're good. Uh, this has been the School for Wayward Nerds. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for joining us, Producer Kyle. Oh, hey. Thank you for joining us, Mike. No worries. Thank you for... He I, I, I'm your host, David Ebola. Um, and uh, remember the three Ps, ladies and future it's boys. The, the blind they can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Proper preparation and planning prevent piss-poor performance. Well, five Ps. Yeah, remember that. Class dismissed. <laughs>